Welcome to the Bible Questions podcast brought to you by BibleQuestions.org and the Holly Street Church of Christ. This podcast is dedicated to answering your Bible questions from the Bible. My name is Brian, and along with Jeff, we are the hosts of this program. Oh, and welcome to the Bible Questions podcast. My name is Jeff. I've got Brian with us today. Brian, how are we doing? Hey, doing well, Jeff. Looking forward to learning more about this subject. Yes, and we also have our preacher, Alan Hitchin, with us today. Alan, how are you doing? I'm doing very well and looking forward to continuing what we were talking about in the previous podcast. Yeah, so we are in uh, part two, dealing with being a disciple of Christ. We talked a little bit about uh, in the first podcast, there's a lot of people that will claim Jesus as their Savior. There are some people that might even proclaim, you know, Jesus as their Lord or Master. Uh, they might claim to be a disciple, a follower, a learner, etc. But as Alan went into last time, there's a lot more to that than just simply verbally proclaiming allegiance to Jesus. There's a lot in terms of actually doing what he calls upon us to do. Alan, did you want to maybe summarize a little bit for our listeners the uh, content of the first podcast before we get into the second one? Sure. What we did in our first podcast is we began with Jesus' warning that not everyone who calls me Lord is going to enter the kingdom of heaven. And those words are fearful because he goes on to say in the next verse, many this isn't just a small problem. This is a major problem that disciples are going to face. And it's better to deal with it now than it is to find out later that we didn't deal with it properly. So we started in Matthew chapter 7, then we went to Luke chapter 6:46. Why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say? Then the probably the premier verse in the scriptures is John 8:31-32. If you abide in my word, you are my true disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. So everything that I have to believe must come from Scripture. If it's not in the Scripture, then I won't be his disciple if I follow it, because he's the teacher. The word rabbi means teacher, and disciple means a learner from the rabbi. So Jesus is the teacher. We are his disciples if we listen to him. And then Everything else in the scriptures, we looked at 2 John 9, whoever does not abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. And we considered John saying, we are of God, he who knows God hears us, he who does not know God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. So the point of the podcast is just to get all disciples realizing that some of the things that are being said today about it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere or we're saved by grace through faith and we don't have to worry about the details because God's going to cover all of this. Jesus never said that. And if we want to be his disciples, we better listen to him and not to the things that people are saying today. So, yeah, Alan, I like the emphasis on, you know, not only listening to Jesus or, or reading the Bible, but also doing the other thing I might mention, and I would encourage our listeners to go back to the, the first part of the podcast, the previous podcast, and listen to it, because one of the things we also mention is that this is pretty much an individual responsibility, and that we cannot rely upon you know, our parents, or preacher, or pastor, or rabbi, or 
church councils or church synods or you know some sort of church publication so to speak to guide us blindly because as jesus alluded to if the blind lead the blind both fall into the ditch and so really it becomes a very strong personal relationship a personal responsibility to see if indeed we are truly his disciples brian anything you want to add before we uh, get into today's topic no i think that's a great point in fact i do think it, it leads into today's topic in the sense that one of the other points of emphasis we made in our last podcast is that you know we only want to follow what the scriptures teach and certainly as it relates to what jesus taught and what the holy spirit fully revealed it was from the father and so alan we have this concept also of inspiration and how we can rely on what we have in our bibles today as being the word of god from the father and he ensured that the way it was conveyed to mankind allows it to be something that we can rely on yeah and that's absolute to all disciples we have to trust the purity of the scriptures jesus said heaven and earth will pass away my words will not pass away and when peter dealt with this in in first peter chapter one he said that the word of god lives and abides forever so what we have to identify and fortunately for us it's already been done the 27 books in the new testament along with the 39 books in the old testament are all given by inspiration of god and when paul speaks of scripture He's not just speaking only of the Old Testament scriptures. You remember when Peter said that Paul's writings are also scripture. He says that in 2 Peter chapter 3, about verse 15. He talks about people who rest Paul's words like they do the other scriptures. And he equates Paul's writings with scripture. And of course, his writings are scripture. And everything that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit is scripture. And Paul summarizes this, I think, very well in, in some of his words to Timothy. At, uh, and of course, that's his very last book. And the, the New Testament is, is very nearly finished by the time Paul writes the Second Timothy letter. And he's talking about all Scripture, being, meaning the Old Testament and the New Testament. So, Jeff, why don't you read that for us, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. The man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. Okay, and this verse really is critical. I mean, if we're gonna accept Jesus' warning that you must do the will of the Father in heaven, now I know where to find it. The will of the Father is given in all scripture that is given by his inspiration. And the word inspiration, other translations have God breathed it can be breathing in or breathing out and so all scripture comes from god and it's profitable the word profitable there means that if we do it we're going to gain something if it's unprofitable then it means if we do it we're going to lose something so all the doctrines it's profitable for doctrine so if my doctrines are based on scripture then they're profitable doctrines. If it's not based on scripture, they're unprofitable doctrines, because as John said, whosoever goeth onward and doesn't abide in the teachings of Christ does not have God. And Jesus said, if you don't do the will of the Father, you will not enter into the kingdom of heaven. So if someone wants to teach me doctrine, the beliefs that I have, 
they need to be in the scripture. If they're not in the scriptures, they are unprofitable doctrines. The same thing with correction. Sometimes people want to correct us. They say, your church is, is incorrect because of this or this. And if it's in the scripture, then that reproof is profitable or that correction is profitable if it's in the scripture. That's why the Bereans, I keep, we, we keep referring back to that, Acts chapter 17 and verse 11, where it says, these, those in Berea were more noble than those in Thessalonica for two reasons. Number one, they received Paul's teachings with all readiness of mind. And number two, they searched the scriptures every day to see if they were true or not. And that's what we need to do. I encourage every sermon I preach, I encourage the brethren to search the scriptures. I quote scripture. I never preach anything without having a scripture to prove it. I don't talk about my own ideas because they're not profitable. And then verse 17, he goes on to say that the scriptures will make the man of God complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So if it's in the scriptures, it's a good work. If it's not in the scriptures, we may think it's a good work, but God does not think it's a good work because now we're adding our own ideas to his will. So once again, we have this strong warning. And I think we, we might, as an adjunct to this verse, consider John 12, 48, where Jesus says, He that rejects me and does not receive my sayings has that which will judge him. The words that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So, you know, we can treat the scriptures however we want in this life. We can make up a church and say, uh, we don't agree with Paul on this teaching regarding homosexuality, or we don't agree with Paul on this teaching on the role of women in the church. And we can get away with that, and we can all agree, and we can all be real happy in our church because we're all in agreement. But on the judgment day, those words that we set aside are going to come back because they were profitable for doctrine. That's why Paul put them in there. And as he said in 1 Corinthians 14, 37, those of you who are prophets, those of you who think you're spiritually minded, the words I write are commands of God. They're commands of the Lord. And so we don't have the right to say our culture doesn't agree with Paul on this and we're going to listen to our culture instead of Paul. You can do that in this life. But when this life is over and, the, and we stand before God on the judgment day, it's not going to be our culture that's going to judge us. It's going to be the words that Jesus spoke through his apostles and prophets. Well, now, and that's not only at an individual level, but I'm also thinking at a congregational level in terms of basing our acts of worship, basing the works that the local congregation does back on Scripture. Uh, basing the way the, the local church is even organized and, you know, the leadership structure you know, back on Scripture. Uh, and not just, as you indicate, doing what we think might be a good idea. Because certainly if you look across, you know, various religious denominations, all different kinds of acts of worship, all different kinds of work that the congregations are doing, all different kinds of organizational structures. People's thinking might say, well, the Bible doesn't really have anything to say about those kinds of things, so we can do whatever we want. It's like, well, no. As you dig into the scriptures, there are patterns that the New Testament church follows. So individual level and congregational level as well. Yeah, and you're just quoting Paul. That's what Paul said, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If it's in the scriptures, we are thoroughly equipped to do it. If it's not in the scriptures, then we are not. There's a passage along this line, and, and uh, Brian, would you turn over to 1 Peter chapter 4? 
And let's look at verse 11 there, because in 1 Peter chapter 4 and verse 11, Peter makes a comment that I think is so pertinent to what we've been talking about in our lesson up to this point. So, Brian, when you get there, would you like to read that for us? Uh, sure, yeah. 1 Peter 4, 11 says, If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. If anyone ministers, let him do it as with the ability which God supplies, that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Thank you. And this verse is just reinforcing what Paul said. If I'm going to speak doctrine, correction, what we should be doing, what we should not be doing, I need to speak as the oracles of God. In other words, God's word is going to be my word. If I want to say anything about baptism, I'm going to speak as the scriptures speak. If I'm going to speak anything about singing in the church and whether we can have instrumental music or not, I'm going to speak as the scriptures speak. And that may offend some people, but that is, but Jesus offended some people. So it, the truth will offend, but it's still the truth. And then he goes on to say, if anyone ministers, and that means all the work we do in the church. What is the work of the church? What should we do? What do we, when we give that money on the first day of the week, what's it for? And he goes on to say, we can only do it with the ability which God supplies. So in the church, God has given us exactly what we should be doing, and that's the ability that we have. And if we do that, we give God the glory because we follow him exactly the way he's asked us to do. If we say, you know, God said this, but I think that this might be just as good. Well, that doesn't give God any glory. That glory comes to me, but I don't want that glory. I want that glory to go to God. So if we're going to speak, there better be scripture. If we're going to serve, if we're going to minister, there has to be scripture. And so what Paul said in 1 Timothy 3 and what Peter says here in 1 Peter 4.11 is that the church, the Christians, the disciples of Jesus, we have responsibilities. And when we do things, they must be done by the will of God. And if it's not in the will of God, as Jesus says, not everyone who calls me Lord, but only those who do the will of God are going to get into the kingdom of heaven. So when I'm tempted to change the worship change the organization, change the work of the church, I better slap my hand and say, I cannot do this because God has warned me strongly that this will not be tolerated. It is insubordination. It is treating God in a way that we can't treat God. When God struck Nadab and Abihu dead for offering a fire that he hadn't commanded them, they didn't violate his will. They just added to his will. He doesn't say he struck them dead because they broke my law. It says he struck them dead because they offered a fire that he had not authorized. And when Moses looked at that, he said, this is what God meant when he said, before all the people, I will be glorified and I will be regarded as holy. And so God's words are holy. God's commands are holy. God's will is holy. And if we substitute our own will for that, God struck those two boys dead because they did that. And so it's, it's just so important that we recognize these warnings because there's so many people today who are telling us, don't worry about these things. And they're just as wrong as they can be. You know, Alan, I was thinking as we were looking at 2 Timothy 3 and now, you know, 1 Peter 4 that you just talked about, that one conclusion that we really have to reach when we read passages like this is that, yes, God has given us everything that we need in life, and therefore, as you pointed out, we shouldn't be adding to it. 
And the scriptures also talk about this concept of how God's words are pure. And so I was wondering if you could also talk about that principle as well and what's important to know about that. Yeah, and you're actually referring to one of the Psalms. And I'd like for you to read that for us right now just to see what is being said there. So let's look at Psalms 12, 6, and 7. Here it says, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord, you shall preserve them from this generation forever. So there is a clear picture of Scripture. You know, people today who say the world has changed and things are different today and the Scriptures are not as pertinent, they don't understand something. God is eternal. God sees. He knew what was going to be going on today. And God knows what man needs. And so for someone to say that God was so short-sighted that he couldn't see far enough ahead to, to deal with uh, the problems we're facing today, that's blasphemy. God is eternal. God is omnipotent. God can see the beginning from the end. He knows everything. And the words that he's written in the scriptures, those are pure words. He's try, it's like silver that's been purified and purified seven times. And God promises in verse 7, you will preserve them from this generation forever. So this notion that, well, we don't know if we can trust the scriptures because they're so old. No, God is not old. God is eternal. And God knows his scripture and God can protect his scripture. And it's very short-sighted and it shows very little faith for anyone to say today that the scriptures today do not really cover all the circumstances that we're dealing with. And that, that is not true. And the reality is just the opposite because we have another uh, proverb this time that starts the same way. Every word of God is pure, but he goes into a little different direction. So, Jeff, you want to read that for us? Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6. Okay. Every word of God is pure, is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and you be found a liar. Okay, so there again, same thing. God is a shield if we put our trust in his word. He will protect us from every possible danger. And that's why we must stay within his scriptures. The scriptures are like a fortress. As long as we stay within the scriptures, we are protected from every danger. And it's only when we are tempted to go outside of that protection. And so he says, don't add to his words. And I want to take our listeners, especially those of us who really love God and we really want to do his will and we really want to keep his word, I want to take us back to the Garden of Eden, and I want to show how all this started and how simple it is to see the very things that we've been emphasizing, which is if it's in the scriptures, it's safe, it's protective, it is truth, it is absolute. If it's not in the scriptures, it is dangerous and it will lead to destruction. So let's turn over to the book of Genesis and Brian, I want you to read Genesis chapter 2 and verse 16. Here it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. Okay, so let's take what we've just learned. Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who trust him. 
So God gave a protection. He told them, do not touch that tree. Do not eat of that tree. Because in the day you eat it, you will surely die. Now, that's a protection. That fruit of that tree is dangerous. And that's the only scripture, you know, we, we study through the Bible, that seems to be the only scripture in existence at this time. This is the only command that Adam and Eve had. The rest of it was just serving him and glorifying and honoring him. But this command was very, very clear. And you look at the command and you think, I wonder how Eve could be tempted to violate this command, because that's going to show us something about how Satan works and how really how all false teachers work, because Satan is a liar and the father of all liars in, in John chapter 8, verse 44. So as we look at his wiles, Paul talks about the wiles of the devil and that we're not ignorant of his devices. Well, we see his wiles and we see his devices as we open to the book of Genesis chapter 3. And so let's just quickly look at verses 1 through 5. Uh, Jeff, would you like to read that for us, please? Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? The woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden god has said you shall not eat it you shall you shall not touch it lest you die then the serpent said to the woman you will not surely die for god knows that in that day you eat of it your eyes will be opened and you will be like god knowing good and evil all right so again let's overlay some of the scriptures we've just looked at with what happens here. God said in Proverbs chapter 30 and verses 4 and 5, my words are pure words. I will be a shield if you stay within them. Do not add to my words lest you be found to be a liar. All right, and, and so we look at this and what does Satan do? Satan adds one word to God's command and that's the word not. He quotes everything God says except you will not surely die. God said you will surely die. Satan said you will not surely die. And then he adds the enticement. And of course, he's done this for every single one of us. Everything in the scriptures is very clear. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not covet. You shall not steal. And then people come along today and they put the word not in there or they put they take the word not out and so in this case you shall steal you shall commit adultery you shall covet your neighbor's wife or you covet your neighbor's possessions but the scriptures say don't do it so the word of god is a shield it protects me from adultery it protects me from covetousness it protects me from lying and stealing in this case it protected adam and eve from the death that would come from eating of the fruit of that tree and Satan said, don't worry about that. And then he added again the enticement. And once he did that, Eve saw the tree differently from the way God had portrayed it. And the point of this discussion is not so much to talk about how Adam and Eve were tempted into sin, but it is to see how as the word of God and man work together and God protects us if we trust him. 
Every word of God is pure, and he is a shield to those who trust him. So let's move that into the New Testament. Jesus' words are a shield to those who trust them. And we should not add to his words, or just like Satan here, we will find that we're going to be doing exactly what Eve did, and we're going to receive the same fate that Adam and Eve did, and that is that they were cast out of the garden, and they did surely die. And so when God says something, it's absolute truth. And so uh, when Jesus jumps to what actually happened here, he tells us in John chapter 8. Brian, why don't you read verses John chapter 8, verse 44? Here it says, You are of the father, the devil, and the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. Okay, and let's remember, who's Jesus talking to here? He's talking to the scribes, the Pharisees, the people who were false teachers in that day. And he is telling them that what Satan did in the garden, because he takes us back to the garden, he is a liar, he is a murderer. Well, that's what happened. When Adam and Eve followed his words, they died. He was a murderer from the beginning. And he doesn't stand in the truth, because there's no truth in him. So they are the sons of the devil. You are of your father, the devil, because they were doing exactly what the devil did. They were teaching things that were not in the scriptures. That's exactly what people are doing today. All false teachers follow their father. There's no other path. The only thing a false teacher can do is take the scriptures and cause people to no longer follow them. That's what a false teacher is. That's what the wolf in sheep's clothing is. It's someone who can do what Satan did, and that is get people to violate God's will and lose their souls. And on the judgment day, Jesus says, even those of you who call me Lord, even those of you who think you're my disciples, if you violate my Father's will, then I will have to say to you, I never knew you, depart you who practice lawlessness. Now there's the word lawlessness. That means you don't have law for what you're doing. If you are doing things as a disciple for Jesus that are not in the scriptures, you're just practicing lawlessness. That's what Peter said. If you're going to speak, speak as the oracles of God. If you're going to serve, do it with the strength that he has supplied in the scriptures. And Paul said the same thing. All scripture is profitable for doctrine. So if it's not in the scriptures, but we're teaching that it is in the scriptures, or we're teaching that it's in place of the scriptures, then all we're doing is following our father, the devil. If we're following God the Father, we do the Father's will. If we set aside the will of God, then we are no longer following the God the Father, we are following your Father the devil. And again, these are harsh words, these are stark words, but I, I like to remind people, none of these words are mine. I, am not, I have not said a single thing in this podcast. I've just read you scripture, and we've talked about the meaning of the scripture. Now, if you don't agree with the interpretation, then certainly you could take umbrage with that. But the words themselves are clear. Jesus said, if you abide in my words, you're my disciples, and you'll know the truth. I didn't say that. Jesus did. If you have a problem with that, it's not with me, and it's not with this podcast. It's with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's interesting, Alan, that you referred all the way back to the you know, creation account, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. And certainly even the New Testament was written 
roughly 2,000 years ago. And as you alluded to earlier, you know, modern people may say, well, yeah, but that was back then. And we are so much more advanced, modernized, sophisticated, technology, internet, etc. But in essence, you know, mankind has not changed at all throughout the millennia. In fact, I'm reminded of what Solomon in his wisdom, which was given to him by God, wrote in Ecclesiastes 1 verse 9. That which has been is what will be, that which is done is what will be done, and there is nothing new under the sun. I mean, we have maybe perhaps a more sophisticated packaging today, you know, with TVs and worldwide communication and the internet. But really, when you boil down the essence of humanity and temptation and sin, etc., not much has really changed throughout the thousands of years, has it? No, we only have so many lusts. We only have so many desires. And let's face it, every one of us has the same basic makeup. And that is, if I'm not interested in the thing that the scriptures are forbidding, then I agree with the scriptures. So if I'm not interested in stealing, then I agree with God. If I'm not interested, and as I say, there's only so many lusts and there's only so many temptations that, that man can deal with. And then they're just recycled. And that's what God is saying there is that, that which has been is that which will be, and that which has been done is that which will be done. And there's nothing new under the sun. And the reason for that is, is that there's only so many false teachings, there's only so many lusts that we can be perverted to want to commit, and God's covered them all. There's nothing in the scriptures that God doesn't know, and that's why the, the word of God makes a man complete and thoroughly equipped for every good work. So. The reason I bring Satan up is because Satan is the classic example of how all false teachers are going to work. The scriptures are true. God can't lie. God does not tempt any man. God's word is complete. And if we follow the scriptures, then just like Adam and Eve, if they had not eaten of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, they wouldn't have died. And Satan said, you won't die, but he lied. I mean, if we look at the facts, the fact that they listened to Satan, they rejected the word of God, the results were the same. Now, when Paul's dealing with similar things, as we said a moment ago, nothing really changes from generation to generation. The doctrines might shift a little bit, and the, the ways that man is, is fulfilling his lusts may shift a little bit, but it's still the same exact thing. So if we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, Paul is very firm that we are teaching the truth and those who contradict us are false apostles and deceitful workers. And Brian, would you like to read that for us, 2 Corinthians 11, 13 to 15? Here it says, For such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder... For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. So this really takes in both podcasts. This is kind of a summary of what I wanted to warn the people of the dangers we face today. Jesus said, if you do the will of the Father, you are going to enter the kingdom of heaven. But if you don't do the will of the Father, I will be forced to tell you, I never knew you. Depart. And Jesus doesn't want to have to say that to anyone. 
So then he asks, why do you call me Lord if you're not going to do what I say? And then he says, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. So what would lead disciples to leave that? Well, the same thing that caused Adam and Eve to leave the Garden of Eden. There's someone who comes along, false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Let's face it, if somebody comes along today and says Paul was wrong, well, they're elevating themselves to the same position as Paul. They're saying, well, I'm just like Paul. I'm like an apostle too. And I can tell you that what Paul said here is not true. Well, that's exactly what he's warning us against here. And so as disciples, we are, as Jesus said, we are sheep. And he's our chief shepherd. He's the shepherd who is going to protect us. But we've got to stay in his sheepfold. When we're within the walls of Jesus, where he can be shepherd, which is within his word, we're perfectly safe. And Adam and Eve were perfectly safe. God had drawn a line around that tree. He had put a wall up around that tree. Don't eat or you will surely die. As long as they trusted God, they would have been perfectly safe. And the same thing is true today for us as disciples. As long as we trust the apostles Jesus chose and we listen to the words that they wrote, we're going to be perfectly safe. But when a false apostle comes along and tells us, don't listen to Paul here, don't worry about what Paul said here, or Paul's words were important when we wrote them, but they're not important today. Just remember verse 14, Satan transforms himself into an angel of light. That's how he portrayed himself in the garden. He portrayed himself as a loving friend who wanted to help them. And there is no great thing if his ministers transform themselves into ministers of righteousness. So no false teacher is ever going to come to you and say, I'm a false teacher. He's going to come to you and say, I'm a minister of Jesus Christ. I love Jesus Christ. But the bottom line is, is he teaching the scriptures? If he's teaching the scriptures, then he's all that he says he is. But if he's not teaching the scriptures, then he is that wolf in sheep's clothing that Jesus warned us against in Matthew chapter 7, verse 15. I like that reference to uh, sheep's clothing because false teachers, as you say, don't brand themselves as such. You know, they don't advertise themselves as such. And there's a lot of deception. You know, maybe they're self-deceived or maybe they're trying to deceive those who are trying to teach. I'm reminded of a couple different verses. One is, and it's the same phrase in the Old Testament, Jeremiah 12, verse 6. And also in Romans 16, verse 18, and I'll, I'll do Romans 16. For those who are such do not serve our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by smooth words and flattering speech, deceive the hearts of the simple. Sounds good, sounds appealing, sounds righteous, but if you dig deeper and contrast it with what the scriptures say, like with Satan in the Garden of Eden, it's not true may sound good, but it's not. And therein is the, the da- both danger and the challenge for us today. Yeah, and that is the challenge. There are so many conflicting teachings in the world today. And the scriptures are the gold standard by which we judge everything that's being taught. If it's in the scriptures, then we give a good hearty amen. If it's not in the scriptures, we flee because the danger is grave. If we are led astray, and we're going to look at that in another verse here in just a moment, but if we are led astray from the truth, then we are no longer the disciple of Jesus.
on just to add a, a slight more to that you can find something in the scriptures that perhaps supports what the person is saying but it's an isolated verse or it's a verse that has a definition that's twisted slightly whereas if you look at all that the scriptures say on a particular topic bring them all together harmonize them you'll come to the truth you know i'm reminded of yes there are verses that talk about yes the need to believe there's verses that talk about god's grace Yes, there's verses that talk about faith. Great. But there's also verses that talk about obedience, following his word, etc. And you don't want to focus or emphasize one aspect and overlook or exclude the other aspect as well. Yeah, that's a really good point, Jeff, because every scripture can be taken too far or every scripture can not be taken far enough. And when we're in doubt, we want to stay right in the center. We want to stay right in the middle of God's word. And so whenever I do a sermon on a particular topic, I try to find every verse that deals with that topic. So if we want to talk about salvation, then we have more than one verse. We can read the verse that says, if you believe that I am he, or excuse me, if you don't believe you're, that I am he, you will die in your sins. But if you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the son of the living God, you'll be saved. That's not all that the scriptures say on that subject. And it would be very foolish of any preacher to preach on one verse without bringing in all the other verses, because unless you see the whole picture, you can be led astray. And that's the problem. Satan did the same thing. He just added one little thing to what God said, and that was enough to bring sin into the world. Yeah, and you both are, are really hitting on a very key point here, and that is it's our responsibility to understand what the truth is and recognize error. And that's why we have passages like 2 Timothy 2.15, where it talks about it is our responsibility, each one of our responsibility, to rightly divide the word of truth. Well, how do we do that? Well, it tells us at the beginning of that verse, right? We have to be diligent to present ourselves approved, you know, worker that's not ashamed, by studying the scripture and properly understanding it, properly dividing it, so that we can recognize error. Uh, and certainly, if you know, as we touched on in our first podcast, if whatever somebody's teaching cannot be supported by Scripture, and that doesn't mean like one passage taken out of context, but we see, you know, these patterns of truth throughout the gospel that helps us to clearly understand what the truth is. So ultimately, it's our responsibility, and that's why we'll stand before God in judgment on that very point. Yeah, and going back to Acts seventeen eleven, these were more noble because they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures every day to see if these things are true. No one is immune from taking a scripture too far, and no one is immune from not taking it far enough. And the, what God wants to see is each one of us searching the scriptures to make sure that the people who are teaching us, number one, that what they're teaching is in the scriptures, and number two, that what they're teaching in the scriptures is not taken too far one way or the other, because the truth is always going to harmonize with every scripture in the Bible. And that's where we really have to remain and we have to stay. So it's interesting because in some ways what we're talking about, in, in a way, boils down to attitude. And not only our attitude toward Jesus, but also our attitude toward the scriptures and our attitude toward truth. I mean, you had the Bereans, 
excellent, good example, you know, good attitude. But I'm kind of reminded of a passage, yeah, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4, talks about people with a different attitude, an attitude that's described as, as itching ears. Hey, Brian, do you want to read that one? Yeah, that, that's a very good passage. 2 Timothy 4, 2 through 4. Paul's talking to Timothy here. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. So some interesting language there, isn't it, Alan, about itching ears and fables and so forth. Exactly. And if we apply this to Eve, we see it so clearly. God had said, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Satan said, the reason God is telling you that is because he wants to keep you from being wise. He wants you to keep from being like him. So Satan substituted a lie for the truth. And that's exactly what people want today. Let's face it, some people want to be Christians, but they still want to have sexual pleasure. They still want to be able to enjoy their sexual desires with other people than a spouse. And so they're going to want to find a teacher who will allow them to do that. Other people want to be greedy. Other people want to be able to lie. Other people don't want to have to repent. Other people want to worship in a way that God hasn't authorized. And so what he says in verse 3 is, a time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Sound doctrine is in the scriptures. Sound doctrine is what God has revealed. Some people don't want that. They don't want that. And that's why we have 4,000 churches today, because they don't endure sound doctrine. And they're going to find a teacher who will teach them what they want to hear. So they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. Now, let me ask all of you a question. Who's he talking about here? Is there anyone today who's doing this? Is, is everyone today who says, I'm a disciple of Jesus and yet doesn't do his will or doesn't do the will of the Father, doesn't stay within the scriptures, doesn't have scriptures for what they're doing, are they being talked about here? Or is it someone else that's being talked about here? And the only answer is that is that anyone who won't stay within the scriptures but has desires that want to separate the scriptures from their own thinking and follow their own thinking. Verse 4, they turn away their ears from the truth and they're turned aside to fables because anything that is taught that's not in the scriptures is fable. It's not true. What Satan said to Eve about the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a fable. He said, if you won't die, but you'll become like God. Well, that was a fable. That was a lie. That was a, a mirage, an illusion that he created that would cause Eve to do that. And David found himself in the same boat. You know, God said, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife. But when he saw Bathsheba and found out she was the wife of another man, he turned aside to some fable. Somehow or another, he was able to get that out of his mind and allow him to commit adultery with her. And then when she turns out to be pregnant and he's worried about her husband, instead of repenting and confessing, he kills the husband. And so you think, how in the world could one of, could one of God's chosen people, one of God's, a man after God's own heart, how could he turn away from the truth and be turned aside to fables? And of course, the answer is given above, itching ears, own desires. 
And if it can happen to David, if it can happen to Adam and Eve, it can happen to you and I. And so the Word of God is our fortress. If we stay within the confines of the Scriptures, if we repent of anything we do that the Scriptures condemn, then we are his disciples indeed. We will know the truth. The truth will make us free. But if we can't endure sound doctrine, if we're going to substitute our own ideas, then we're going to end up listening to fables instead of the truth. And again, this is the great danger we all face. And no one is immune from it. And nothing has changed. There's nothing new under the sun. Man has not changed. Lusts have not changed. Error has not changed. Don't be fooled. The scriptures are the only safe haven that are going to protect us from these things. Yeah, Alan, as you were talking, I did a little bit of uh, internet research on the side. Uh, the word used in uh, 2 Timothy 4, 4, uh, that at least in the translation we were quoting, uh, in contrast to the truth, fables, at least according to one dictionary I found, one of the meaning can be a fiction, a falsehood, an invention. But what I found especially fascinating is the underlying Greek word is the same word we use for myth. Turn away from the truth and turn aside to myths, which, you know, if you're not in the truth, it's not like you're in a partial truth or a semi-truth or something that's yeah pretty close to the truth. Here it's described as a myth, you know, mythology and all those sorts of false, invented fiction fables. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is interesting. And we see it today. Doesn't matter what you believe as long as you're sincere. That's a myth. It's not in the scriptures. It's not true. It does matter what you believe. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you'll be my disciples. If you don't abide in my word, you don't have God. So that's a myth. And there's lots of myths in the world today. Anything that sets aside any scripture or anything that enshrines as important something that's not in the scriptures, those are human myths. They are Satan's way of getting people to reject the scriptures. So as we wind down this podcast, and I think all of our listeners are beginning to see that this is a massive subject, and, and we could go, we could have part two, part three, part four, part five. This is the major problem we all face, and that is someone trying to pry us away from the scriptures. But I want to conclude everything that we've been talking about today with a warning that the Apostle Peter gave in First and Second Peter chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and then continuing into uh, verses 18 through 20. So, Jeff, you want to read Second uh, Peter 2, verses 1 and 2? There were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you, who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them, and bring on themselves swift destruction. And many will follow their destructive ways, because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. And I want all of our listeners to test this right now. Everything that we've said in this podcast up to this point is truth. It comes right out of the scriptures. But I suspect there's probably a few people listening, and maybe some have already turned off this podcast, but there are some people out there who are looking at these things and speaking evil of them. And this is one of the things that Peter says. There's so many people who are following destructive ways in these 4,000 different churches today that the way of truth 
the actual scriptures themselves are blasphemed. So if you find yourself reading a scripture and, and feeling anger, you know, like James said, let each man be slow to speak, slow to wrath, but swift to hear. So the way of truth is going to be blasphemed. And so when you read a scripture and you want to say to yourself, that can't be true, or I can't believe that, or that doesn't fit with my thinking. And so we start speaking evil of the scriptures themselves. And that's exactly what Peter said is going to happen. And this is a prophecy and prophecies do not fail. There were false prophets among the people. Moses dealt with them. Uh, Jeremiah dealt with them. Isaiah dealt with them. They are throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And now he says, there will be false teachers among you. So ask yourself the question, who are they? If we believe, doesn't matter what you believe, as long as you're sincere, there are no false teachers. If we want to accept Christ as our personal savior and join the church of our, of our choice, then there are no false teachers. So those two proverbs are false. It does matter what you believe. And you can't join the church of your choice. You have to join the church of Jesus' choice. Jesus said, I will build my church, not my churches. And those who teach otherwise are false teachers. And many are going to follow those destructive ways. And so don't be surprised if this podcast is blasphemed, if the things that are spoken of in this podcasts, which are right out of the scriptures, but people are going to speak evil of them. People are going to say, that can't be true. Those people are so judgmental. No, we're just reading what Jesus said. We're just reading what the apostles said. We're just looking at what happened in the Garden of Eden. We're not adding anything to it. Those things are absolute truth, but some people are not going to endure sound doctrine, and they're going to blaspheme the way of truth. Yeah, and you know, Alan, I kind of look at this also. This should be a source of comfort for us in the sense that the Bible, you know, God has given us his fully revealed truth, Second Peter 1, 3. He's given us all things that we need. And so we can now recognize if we do our diligence or we, you know, take the time to study and understand the truth, we can recognize false teachers so that, you know, we shouldn't be surprised. Because I can see, you know, how some listening might say, boy, this can just be so confusing. How do I know that my preacher, pastor, priest, whomever's teaching, you know, whether or not what they're saying is true? And you've alluded to Acts 17, 11, several times, right? Well, what did the Bereans do? They searched the scriptures daily. So everything that we're saying, everything, Alan, that you're quoting out of scripture, we would all encourage our listeners to take the time to confirm what you've heard by looking at the scriptures. And then, you know, first John 4, 1 says that you have a responsibility to test those who are teaching, to see whether what they're teaching is of God, because as it says there, many false prophets have gone out into the world. So to me, it's just a, a great source of comfort to know that God has given us his blueprint. He's given us the truth that we, if we take the time to study, can fully understand and certainly recognize those false teachers that we've been talking about. And all I can say to that, Brian, is amen. I just want our listeners to realize that there's a battle going on. It's a battle between God and Satan. It's a battle between truth and error. It's a battle between good and evil. Paul describes that battle in Ephesians chapter 6 as we are wrestling against a spiritual host of wickedness and we have to put on the whole armor of God in order to stand in the evil day. And I would urge our listeners as we wind down this podcast to read Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 12 and going down through the rest of the chapter. And 
Paul talks about the armor of God, and if you look very carefully, you will find that every piece of armor is from the Word of God or is the Word of God. And so as we wind this podcast down, I just want all of our listeners to realize that you know, it's fun to talk about eternal life. It's enjoyable to think about the wonderful blessings of prayer and the, the enjoyment of forgiveness of sins. But that's not all that the scriptures teach. And everything that we have discussed in our podcast and the previous one are right out of the scriptures. So I want to thank you, Alan, for uh, you know, bringing the, the material and, and the scriptures to our, our listeners, to our audience today. And, you know, as we've kind of alluded to, a great emphasis, a great deal of danger, in some ways, it's just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, one could ask, well, what does that really mean in terms of, you know, specific steps about salvation or the role of baptism or the work and organization of the church or what we should and shouldn't do in our daily lives? And for that, I guess, Brian, if you want to sort of direct our people to the, the website, to give them some sense of where they can go for additional information and maybe some specifics. Yeah, absolutely. So biblequestions.org. And what you'll notice, whether you approach this from a mobile browser or a browser on your computer, is that as you start to scroll down on our homepage, there's an alphabetical index. And if you click on any of those letters, you'll find previous Bible questions that have been submitted to our website that we've answered and articles that have been written on these subjects by Alan and others. And so, you know, as it relates to what we've been talking about in these two podcasts, we'd encourage you to click on the letter A for authority, B for Bible study. We were talking about, you know, the devil and his methods. So you can, you know, under DC devil, and you can also see denominationalism, which may not be a term that's familiar to everyone, but it's just, you know, those churches that have been founded by men and women and not by Christ. Also F for false teaching and O for obedience. And, you know, Jeff, I like the way you designed our pages because when you click on those letters and you go to these sections we were talking about, what you'll notice on every page is at the very top is that alphabetical index, and at the very bottom of the page is that alphabetical index. So if you're in D looking at some the devil, you can click on another letter to quickly go over to that section. So very easy to navigate. Would encourage you to take a look at this additional information, and then please take the time to study and see if those things which were mentioned today are consistent with the Word, and if they are, make application in your life. Thank you for listening to this edition of the Bible Questions podcast. We invite you to visit our website at biblequestions.org, where you can find over a thousand scripture-filled articles on a wide variety of Bible topics, along with about two dozen free Bible study lessons and other Bible study aids. Plus, you can submit a Bible question to us to get a personal response within a couple of days. Check it all out at biblequestions.org.